Hey there, conductors. If you've ever felt that you're not quite sure what to do next when you're studying a score, maybe you don't even know where to start with a difficult piece. Maybe you study one piece too much and then you realize at the first rehearsal that you don't know another one well enough. Or maybe you're a new conductor and you don't know what score study is. I'm excited to share that I'm finally publishing and sharing my score study checklist. I've been refining this for 12 years now, and I'm so excited to share it. It is going to walk you through my structure, my process to make sure that I learn every score that I need to learn well enough and so that nothing falls through the cracks. So it covers everything that you need to know. There's a link in the show notes. Go ahead and click it, sign up, and you'll get that score study checklist sent right to your email. You'll also get access to an eight-minute video of me explaining what each section is and how I use it to organize all the music that I need to learn. It's only eight minutes, so it's not going to take you a whole hour to learn how to study better, how to put up a process for your score study and how to make sure that nothing is falling through the cracks. So again, click the link in the show notes, and I hope to see you soon. Now, please enjoy this episode of Podium Time. My dad, my my parents are engineers. They've always worked in engineering, greener fields of engineering. And and my dad, when he was getting close to retiring, he decided he was going to go work for a water company. You know, one of those companies that, you know, takes water out of the atmosphere, filters it, puts it into a way that you can consume it. And this is, you know... Mm-hmm. for countries that don't have a lot of water. Mm-hmm. He said he had such a hard time finding money for this company. And he said it's very simple. Rich people aren't thirsty. <laughs> but what they would, and it took him a second to figure out how to talk to these people. And what he learned was something that we might think at first is very obvious. People don't invest in actualities. They don't invest in facts. Yeah. People invest in stories. People invest in success. People invest in places where there's there's tangibility to their money. And we are not good at turning our players into stories or our music into stories. If I ever go to a pre-concert talk and I hear, the year was 1827 and Beethoven died. Like, are you kidding? I do not need the wiki article on Beethoven. I want to know why it matters. Like, literally, why would I care? Oh, well there's, con- I... where, where, well, there's context. And I was like, no, stop. You are you are making this so unapproachable, unrelatable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, no, you can't go to a billionaire and say, it will cost us only 12 cents to get a gallon of water. Okay, that's great. I don't care. But then you tell them who gets this water, who this serves what the purpose is and it's suddenly beautiful and yeah i want to put my money there yeah what what difference does this make for an individual like give them that context that context not the the other stuff the greatest classical music advertisement i ever saw this this was (laughs) this was incredible this was like this was when like youtube came out and then Mm -hmm. ads started my friends and I, we were in Youth Symphony or whatever, and we were watching we were watching Candide on YouTube, like parts of Candide on YouTube. And one of the ads popped up, and it was these two girls, yeah, like teenagers, like they were around our age. And they were sitting at a table, and they had coffee, you know, like kind of that Starbucks vibe, like you meet up with your friend at a coffee shop. And, and, one, and one of them is just listening so intently to her friend, and her friend is saying, yeah, they hooked up, and then he murdered her dad. And she's like, what? Are you serious? And she's like, yeah. And his best friend was watching. 
and these girls are just having such a relatable conversation. And it fades to black and it says met Don Giovanni. And I was like, what? I didn't know what Don Giovanni was when I was a kid, but you could bet I Googled it right on the spot. Mm-hmm. It was such a great ad. I mean, the whole thing was like eight seconds. And you know what it was? First and foremost, it was creative. It wasn't just Don Giovanni, come see it. And it wasn't and it wasn't some clips of people on stage in costumes. Yeah. Yeah. Because guess what? Our audiences, even if they've never been to an opera, they know that that's a part of it. What mm-hmm. don't they know? Yeah. They don't know the story and they don't know the human factor. Yeah, I've I'm in I've I've been in a marketing job for about a year and this is something I've been trying to explore. Like it's really easy to find bad examples of marketing in classical music. It's very difficult to find actual good marketing. So this this is a great one. And I, I'm trying to think already, like, how I can use something like that in... It's a little easier to do in opera, I think, because you can tell the story like that. But, like, how can we... I mean, I guess we've got stories of the composers. We've got... I don't know. Give me a piece. Give me a piece. We're doing the Franck Symphony in D. Oh, please give me another piece. <laughs> First of all, uh, No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand that piece. Capriccio Espanol. Easy. You draw huge parallels between what they're going to hear and what other things that they might know about that culture. Mm-hmm. Colors, foods, experiences. Start off the talk or whatever with, oh, do you remember your trip to Spain? Do you remember your trip to France? And you wondered what it'd be like just to hop next door and go to Spain. Like, Or maybe something even more difficult like Mozart. 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right off the bat, you compare it to something else that uses two notes to evoke an atmosphere. Mm. Like when when people realize like Jaws, one of our most beloved soundtracks is just two notes. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. I get I guess you're right, but how does it work then?" It's like, "Well, because it builds suspense, it builds anxiety, and here's a classical music example that does that exact same thing." Da, da, da. I mean, that's so intense for some reason. And then when you create a sequential building of it, how it yeah. affects you. I did that once in a pre-concert talk. I, I played, or no, I don't think I even played. I think I just sang because everyone knew it. Just the opening of 40 and then Jaws. It's so relatable. And what people mm. want to know is why we can we have this ability to be time manipulators. That we can make something so... It, anxious feel like it only lasted 10 seconds when it's been 50 minutes or when something only lasted 30 minutes and four hours went by <laughs> Wagner sometimes yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know it, it, it's incredible what we do let's talk more about time manipulation because that's you know that's so true but that's not something we I've only talked about it with one other conductor so I'm curious if you can if you can expand a bit more on that Oh, to me, I, I mean, there's there's very there's a very literal way to talk about it, and there's a very like atmospheric way to talk about it. Like the literal thing is, people give us their time, and we either respect it or we don't, and that applies for the players and the audiences. Mm-hmm. And then there's the more like metaphysical approach to what we do, right? That through this unbelievably abstract art form, based on gesture and instruments with no power source other than the humans themselves that we're able to do these huge, amazing things for audiences. And I think, you know what? 
maybe one of the things that we do wrong is not encourage the audiences to expect a level from us sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the subscribers for 30 years to the New York Phil. I'm talking about everyone else. That you, our patrons should expect to go to a concert and feel that something's changed. Hmm. The only, like, not to get, like, too, like, meta about it or whatever, but... Please the do. Only thing... Please, please get well, no. as meta as you Look, the only thing we... Everyone's like, oh, well, you know, the only thing we have is family or friends or love. No, bullshit. All we have is time. Hmm. And if we're going to ask people to give us a lot of money to either make them feel like, oh, I cannot believe I spent all together, like, 200 bucks on this night... And I think it's because it's such a temporal art, it makes it feel like even more of a loss. It's one thing to go have a bad meal at a restaurant, but you get over it, right? And you're willing to go to another restaurant. You did the same thing. You paid for parking. You bought the babysitter. You got your hair blown out. You did all the right things, but it's different, right? I think it's because we have this power in classical music to to share with people the only thing they have, which is time, and that we organize it for them and package it for them. And then when it's shit, they are so much more upset. And I don't think they know exactly why. And I might and I might be wrong than being more upset than a bad movie or than a meal. Because they know we've wasted something so precious. And they should be upset. I don't think I've ever heard of a patron asking for a refund because of a bad firebird, but maybe we should encourage it. Like, if you didn't like it, then tell us and get your money back. Hey, but give us another shot. Yeah. Because if you do come to a good concert, I'm not saying we can literally lengthen your life, but we can make it feel like less of it left you. It's a little dark, but yeah, I've been to some excellent concerts where I thought, are you kidding? How did I just see a three and a half hour opera? I feel like only like 30 minutes went by. And you feel better and more alive and more willing to be explorative and inquisitive yourself. And But then when you go... When you go to a bad concert, it's one thing, but when you play a bad show, like when you're the musician and you don't like the music and you don't like the conductor and every everything around it, then your stand partner and you you probably lost like six days of your life during that cycle, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, and if we can send somebody off with a really good experience, I mean, I remember some of the best concerts in my life. I still think about those moments. I still think of some of the best opera performances. I mean, that's, that stays with you also. It's not just that one day. Yeah. 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 And then you hope that they remember the performances from start to finish. You hope that they remember that they were greeted with kindness, mm-hmm. that there was no pretension around the atmosphere, that they felt welcomed, that they knew how to get home afterwards. Maybe what they remember actually is the radio show from the orchestra after the concert talking like a post-game interview sort of Mm -hmm. about how the concert went. Maybe that's why they decide to come back again because they'd never been to a concert before and they get to hear from the principal horn player, you know, actually that first movement was a little rough, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. But I think we know what we did and that's why our next performance is going to be better. I think as soon as we start to, you know, like I said, make it real actual stories, make it really human, make it an a respect of their time that it makes it all worth it make it not like going to see a museum exhibit they can look what we do is is is, is very very specific you can mm-hmm. leave a museum whenever you want yep. right unless you're going to like some 
you know, <laughs> really new art show in Munich where you're put onto a conveyor belt and yeah. you get strawberries thrown at you. <laughs> you never know. I've never been but one I know. of those. <laughs> but no. I mean, what el- who else does what we do in such coordination mm-hmm. with an audience that's expected to, you know, understand it when we haven't told them what to expect? Yeah. I love that 